Welcome to Galaxy Brains. The weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. Hey, you know I'm never stopping when I'm rocking. See me drop in and talk on top of a classic rock banger. It's 2023, all love, no anger. In the center, the zeniths, wherever I'm speaking. We haven't topped out, dog. I'm constantly peeking. I'm bringing the good vibes and I'm here for all of ya. Yo, what's next for crypto? Let's ask Rom all of all of ya. Yo, Phineas, this beat, dude. I'm vibing this beat, dude. We gotta let this ride for a second. It's like I'm on a dusty road. (laughs) Hey, thank you for listening to Galaxy Brains. We have a great episode this week. Like I said, we're talking with Ram Alawalia, CEO and co-founder of Lumina Wealth Management. He's got a great uh, deep knowledge of market structure in financial services, and he's got really interesting things to say about how the US crypto industry gets to a regulated, safe, and progressive future. It's a great interview. I, we cover a lot of ground. Hey, Bimnet Abibi is off this week. He's on vacation. He'll be back next week, so I'll spare you my market commentary, and we'll reconnect with him next week. Go and check out some of Galaxy Research's new content. Christine Kim has a great report on proto-dank sharding, the next upgrade, major upgrade on Ethereum. Gabe Parker has a good report on Mark NFT Marketplace stuff. And check out our comment letter to the SEC on their proposed amendments to the Exchange Act. Um, it's a really good comment that I wrote. I'm very proud of. We'll put the link to all of these in the show notes. Before we continue, please refer to the link to the disclaimer in the podcast notes and note that none of the information in this podcast constitutes investment advice or an offer, recommendation, or solicitation by Galaxy Digital or any of its affiliates to buy or sell any securities. Dude, nigga, piano on this beat too? I forgot about that. It sounds nice. Phineas, I think we got to drop an album soon, but for now, let's get right into the show. Let's go now to our guest, Ram Alawalia, CEO, uh, co-founder of Lumita Wealth. Uh, my friend, welcome to the show, Ram. Thanks for having me, Alex. Good to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's great to have Ram on the show because he's a, a, a CFA, he's a financial advisor. Lumita uh, is a an asset manager that, um, among other things, focuses on digital asset space. But Ram also knows a lot about market structure and regulation. He's a great follower. He was doing a great job covering like the some of the bankruptcies in crypto. Um, so really great to have a smart guy like Ram on here to talk about the crypto market structure in the U.S. And I think that's sort of what we're planning on discussing, right? What is the future of crypto, regulated crypto, look like in the U.S.? And how do we get from where we are today to that future vision? Um, Ram, I mean, what do you think just off the top? What has the last two weeks or couple weeks in crypto with the SEC actions on Coinbase and Binance and other stuff, how has that changed or has that brought urgency to the view of how to handle crypto in the U.S. in your mind? I think that the headline is that the current approach that the SEC is taking hasn't worked, a rule by enforcement, that's been well covered, but it's also that the current approach taken by the crypto sector isn't working. Here you have all three branches of the U.S. government, uh, Congress trying to figure out the right approach to take, the SEC, which is refusing to answer a request for guidance from Coinbase, and now the judiciary needs to to enter the picture. So it hasn't worked, and it's unfortunate. And as you said, I you know I grew up in, in banking and, and capital markets, and when I look at blockchain and digital assets and crypto, what I see is a promising technology that's decentralized in nature, that harkens back to the spirit of how banking sector evolved, how uh, markets uh, function, uh, and there's a way to 
convey, transfer, and represent value trustlessly that would have avoided many of the issues from the 2008 crisis and can play a role in strengthening capital and financial markets and the banking sector today. So we both the SEC and the crypto sector need to take a step towards each other. That might mean having a new SEC chair to make forward progress, but fundamentally the current approaches are not working. Yeah. It's, it's clear that the, um, they are far apart, right? I mean, you mentioned, you referenced um, Coinbase's petition for rulemaking, which they submitted to the SEC, I think last summer, um, or maybe even last spring, um, at which the which the SEC has never replied to. And then, of course, they uh, this is one of the events that happened over the last couple of weeks was that Coinbase has sued them uh, or, or requested that a court order them to reply, order the SEC to finally reply to this. And the SEC uh, a couple, you know, last week said, uh, finally answered this request by saying, yeah, we haven't decided to deny the request and we haven't decided to do it. We actually are still working on it. And it's reasonable for us to not have decided yet because the Coinbase only asked for this several months ago. So we uh, we need 120 more days, the SEC said, um, to even decide to even reply. So and and I don't know where the court's going to stand. But again, like that's how far away they are from even actually doing rulemaking. They're, they're not even committing yet to even considering doing rulemaking. It's absurd, right? We, as the grounding of the American Republic was to move from rule by king and arbitrary edict and picking winners and losers, which is how rule regulation by enforcement feels like when you don't know the rules of the road, right? It's a stable coin, an unregulated money market, or is it a USD backed dollar token? We don't really answer on that. Um, are digital collectibles and NFTs on chain just baseball cards that one can trade, or is it a security? Is staking a commercial relationship between two parties, or is it a profit-sharing mechanism that implicates securities laws? So we uh, the, the approach that the SEC taking here is doesn't make any sense. It's absurd that a member like Coinbase needs to sue the SEC in court to seek guidance. And we haven't had updated interpretive guidance in four years. The last time the SEC updated guidance was four years ago under a prior chair before stable coins were widely adopted, before the rise of staking or DeFi or NFTs. Right. However, however, there's a lot to say for American securities laws. By and large, they work. Uh, American capital markets are the safest, most secure, the deepest, most liquid, and they truly are the envy of the world. And yes, there are things that we can improve upon that. For example, uh, the presumption that you as an entrepreneur can go raise money and start a business without uh, you having to go through an SEC audit, right? We have most raisings of capital are done through an exemption that doesn't require registration with the SEC, there's a presumption that you comply, and the obligation is that you have to disclose. You've got to disclose conflicts. You've got to disclose material risk factors. And that is that is a, a very sound framework that supports free market, supports you know, freedom. Uh, and uh, we, we like that. The, the challenge is that decentralization does pose novel challenges to the how we test. Uh, and the technology of blockchain and crypto does stress the Howey test in new ways. 
Uh, I think it's important for the SEC to acknowledge that. And that's the starting point of a constructive conversation. Yeah, I totally agree. I I, uh, uh, filed a comment letter on the SEC's um, expanded definition of exchange under the Securities and Exchange Act, which that comment period closed last week. And at the end of it, I I believe – I'm now paraphrasing myself because I've forgotten. I literally said the SEC needs to reckon with the fact that this is a new thing that cannot be force fit into the existing regulations without a bunch of work, right? And the, the, my my issue right. here is they have to do the work. I think um, there's a good analogy I use, which is in Europe they have Mika, right, which is the Markets and Crypto Assets Comprehensive Regulation Regulatory Framework that is bespoke for crypto assets, right? And that's one way you can do it. That's a a reasonable thing to do. You can say, you know what, they're different, so let's rebuild an entire regime that accounts for their novelty. Um, In the UK, however, um, His Majesty's Treasury published reams of of guidance uh, to the FCA, which is the markets regulator, about how specifically um, crypto assets could be incorporated into the existing regulatory framework. So th- those are two approaches, right? Build a bespoke one or incorporate it into the existing one. My view has been that the SEC is clearly on the UK's side saying we want to incorporate this into the existing frameworks and and Chair Gensler has repeatedly said they don't need any new authority or legislation. Our securities laws work great. Problem is they haven't done the actual there is no reams of paperwork explaining how to fit it into the existing framework, right? And there's a whole bunch of novel things raised, one of the ones I always bring up is possession and control under the custody rule. Um, Actually, one of the killer apps of cryptographic assets is that you can prove mathematically that you control them and possess them, right? You can sign a message with a private key that proves that you own assets held at that public key. Um, The problem is the custody rule requires that you are the sole party in possession or control. And actually, that's a uniquely interesting problem because while I can prove that I control the assets, I can't prove to you that someone else doesn't also have the same private key, right? Like I could have shared the private key with a third party. And the SEC has done work to explain how the DTCC's uh, holding of the security and therefore its assignment to a broker dealer or a custodian or a brokerage like Fidelity um, that satisfies the custody rule, but they haven't done the work to explain in the cryptographic sense. Like all they have to do is say, here's how it works. This is good enough. Here's the standard. Make sure the keys are generated in a secure environment, right? Like whatever, write a, some, some academic there writes a 10 page paper explaining how it works and then you're good. They haven't done that and they haven't done it across a range of issues. I agree. You touched on three excellent topics. Uh, you know, one is around the advisors act. Second is around, you know, how this can address issues like rehypothecation. Um, and, you know, first on the Advisors Act, you're right. Look, the, the Advisors Act was updated in the wake of Madoff to address issues where there can be self-dealing or fraud because an investment advisor uh, or broker-dealer uh, custodies your assets. And there's a conflict of interest there. They can misrepresent. So there's a, there's a sound principle in having that segregation of duties. However, here now we have a technology that allows one to cryptographically prove possession of a digital asset and the security of that digital asset is on chain as opposed to relying on aged antiquated infrastructure like the DTCC, which can take days to settle, which ties up capital uh, and is prone to risks such as flooding in downtown New York City, which happened (laughs) 
uh, and it also gets back to like rehypothecation as well. Like the, you know, the financial markets are craving digital asset blockchain technology. Uh, the principles of securities laws have served American markets well. Again, they're not suited for digital asset technology, but the infrastructure undergirding American markets are dated. We saw that as recently as when you know Fed payments went down a year and a half ago. We saw that in the 2008 cycle, of course, when no one knew who had what counterparty risk on whom. Even today, we still have no loan-level transparency into all asset-backed securitizations, which is absurd. And that is exactly what uh, blockchain technology is ideally suited for. On this point, though, I would say that another area where you know crypto sector, our industry can approach this differently is to encourage financial markets and financial participants to transform and adopt blockchain and not attack parties from traditional finance that attempt to embrace or incorporate blockchain. The more use cases uh, that improve the health functioning of the banking sector and financial markets, the easier it is to get those policy wins. Because right now, the standard bearer for the sector is Coinbase. And everything rises and falls with Coinbase. If, if Coinbase is in favor with the American public, that's great. If Coinbase is out of favor because you're in a bear market or it's perceived as an unregulated casino. That's not my view, but I'm saying this is the, you're dealing with the American public in Congress here. That doesn't help. Um, and I think some of the rhetoric attacking, say, Prometheum, for example, for trying to find a path or other ATSs trying to match buyers and sellers using traditional financial infrastructure is, is an incorrect industry response. Interesting. What, what else can we do, uh, can the crypto industry do uh, to improve its or to help get us from point A to point B. I mean, you made a great point. It's unclear that the S that this SEC is really going to be a receptive partner. Other than, I mean, right? They're not. They're not doing rulemaking. They're not hosting forums and bringing in all the executives and ch- talking about like, you know, trying to find a middle ground, which they easily could do. Um, instead, they're you know filing lawsuits and taking a very hard line. So unlikely that a middle ground is going to be found now with this SEC. But. Um, if we could find one or if in, in some future where one has been established, um, you know, what are the steps that like would need to get us there? I, it's, a, it's a great question. I think first off, let's define what an end state vision looks like yeah. and then work backwards and see if there are any historical analogies. So I believe a good end state uh, system would uh, enable a national market for digital asset securities to transact on chain with the disclosures that investors want and deserve. Uh, And I don't believe that's a controversial vision. There's rules of the road, there's clarity. Uh, So let's work backwards from that. How do we get there? I think on on quick hits, the first thing that the SEC can do today is write and update interpretive guidance. They haven't done that in four years. Absent that interpretive guidance, I think the policy bodies bodies advocating for crypto can write its own interpretive guidance and start to engage in a discussion, get concrete on the points of difference. That's in the quick hit bucket. The larger, longer-term opportunity, though, is to develop uh, a self-regulatory organization in the spirit of the NASD, which, of course, evolved into FINRA, right? The NASD stands for the National Association of Securities Dealers. 
And the NASD was formed uh, a few years after the Securities Exchange Act was passed in 1933. And it, it faced a very similar set of problems. You had an over-the-counter securities market. Again, just quick background. You have listed securities, the, those, those securities trade on exchanges like the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. Uh, and then you have over-the-counter securities. Those are securities that are not listed. They could be right. pink sheet securities. They're higher risk securities. There are less standards. Uh, they're riskier investments as well. And that over-the-counter market is decentralized. Uh, you have a, a broad range of instruments as well. You know, Think here, we could introduce the concept of, say, perps. Uh, you have a lack of transparency and a lack of disclosure standards. You also... Uh, didn't have conventions uh, that exist now today. For example, FINRA has a convention called Broker Check. You can look up your broker or your investment advisor, and you can see if they've had any infractions or complaints. Now, what's fascinating about this is that FINRA is run by the industry. Right. It's funded by the industry, and it's regulated by the industry. And it works. It creates investor confidence. So that that's the vision. We got to work backwards from there. Um, I know, and you and I were talking about this ahead of the podcast, there have been approaches and concepts around an SRO. None of them have gone anywhere. I don't think it's because of the wrong concept. I think it's because of the wrong execution by the policy groups and the, and the trade bodies. Yeah, it, I think the SRO, FINRA, which is, you know, I, I think the transition, what, like maybe in the early 2000s or late 90s from NASD to FINRA, the, the name, um, I did a lot of work around FINRA and my career at Fidelity. I was a compliance advisor at one point, did literally ran internally FINRA examinations. There are ongoing, they do exams. You're talking about the disclosure stuff, broker check. You can literally Google FINRA broker check, go there, type in the name of literally any registered rep uh, with FINRA, right? And yeah, see complaints if they are any. And it's, it's that's the disclosure side. They also do ongoing examinations, which is what I worked on. Um, they, they'll do bespoke inquiries, right? They've done, it, it's like a, a mini SEC in some ways, right? Like it's it's the and and but that only works because the it, well it it only can fill that role, which it does fill quite well um, in securities markets because the securities market regulator has sort of agreed to and appointed it as sort of its deputy, right? Yes, yes. I think ultimately you may need a new SEC chair to advance uh, on these lines, but you can create. The framework, the bedrock. You right. can create an association now. You can publish voluntary disclosure standards. You can have that published on Masari and do analytics. But here's the way to frame it up. You have a the multiple choice answer on how to advance is as follows: A, Congress can pass laws. Congress needs to do something here, no matter what. Yeah. However, Congress won't have the detail and local on the ground knowledge to create tailor-made regulation to novel use cases. Like even in the UK and Eurozone and even here in the US, no one knows how to deal about deal with like NFTs, for example. <laughs> yeah. That's A. Right. B is the SEC. That's not working. And to the earlier point that we also discussed offline, the SEC delegates a substantial amount of its oversight authority to FINRA, right. which is a private body that's close to the problem. They deal in the issues. They can sell police. The C approach is the judiciary, which is what we're taking now, and that's not effective. The courts interpret the law. They create new law through case law, and the courts can get it wrong, too. The courts have gotten it wrong on how. I'll give you one quick instance. Uh, for example, CDs, right, certificates of deposits, they're not securities because banks are exempt from registration requirements. Banks have broad exemptions from securities laws. 
And the courts found that when uh, Merrill Lynch curates a set of CDs, meaning Merrill identifies the market and says, hey, we think, Alex, these are the best CDs for you, then the mere act of curation transforms those selected CDs into securities, right? What kind of alchemy is this? <laughs> that I don't think is good regulation either. Yeah, if I throw, uh, a, dart and if I throw a dart or pick my own CDs, they're normal. But if someone remotely more intelligent than me helps me find the best ones, now they're securities. It's, it's absurd and it's not intuitive. There is this type of wizardry and alchemy, by the way, throughout our financial and, and bank. I mean, I always joke about the central bank is like a financial al monetary alchemist, right? Like the, the, yes. hiding behind a curtain <laughs> that you need that wizardry to even make it work. It's just very funny. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the banking system's the ultimate form of, I call it financial alchemy. Yeah. It's a transformation of liquidity, credit, and duration into ultra-short liquid <laughs> funds that are, in fact, taking credit risk, doing duration mismatch. And it's the ultimate... It's, it's, it's not a Ponzi, for sure, but there's a reason why it's highly, highly regulated. Right. I think... Um, I love the concept here of the SRO. I think that's probably... I, I think it's like, you're right. I think when you think about the future vision, I think it's, we don't really get to a, a well-regulated and efficient um, crypto market without an SRO. I mean. Right. So what does a policy framework look like yeah. in that SRO? One, for example, is a self-regulatory organization would come together and say, here are the disclosure standards. And yes, SEC can help there. But I would also point to Bloom, which is a, a 2017 ICO protocol that recently did a registration call it form 10 uh and it's abundant disclosure which is very helpful uh and we have the publishing platforms another provision would be to prohibit wash sale trading like these are non-controversial right ideas a third proposal would be to uh, publish proof of reserves and proof of liabilities on chain and again we have the infrastructure for all of this uh, so one can go on and on another would be prohibiting an exchange from having a market maker that can trade against its own customers. By the way, that's prohibited under current federal securities laws. Right. So again, like current securities laws do help inspire confidence and create market liquidity and help the ordinary investors. We also need to do things such as audits, right? And if you want to be listed on the NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange, you're required to go through an audit. In the concept of, of protocols, you know, we need protocol audits yeah. and there are various third-party protocol audit firms. So there are a lot of analogies that do lend themselves to that. Uh, I haven't seen it around uh, a group coming together to say, here are the approaches one would take. We want to self-regulate and call out bad actors. That's an important part, right? You know, when I, I'm looking at this piece of electrical equipment here, that's also got its own SRO. It's called a Underwriters Lab Limited, right? If you want to have any product, you've got to go through this private organization that gives it the stamp of approval. If you want to have a securitization uh, that's offered to the public, you're going to have a ratings agent, which is a private organization. And yes, private organizations make mistakes, but it's a better approach than we have today. What do you think about um, the I, – I, I, one of the other ones I really like, just to add to your list of things, is the, is the concept of like initial um, – not just the disclosure, but even – the level of decentralization required, right? And this is one of the things that the market structure draft bill from the House Ag and Financial Services Committee actually, I think, does a really good job on. I don't know if I necessarily agree with the threshold that they set in that discussion draft. I think it's 20%, basically, if 20% of the supply is owned by 
an organization, right, then it can't be decentralized enough to not be a security. It can't be decentralized enough to be a commodity, right? And they set that threshold, and it's a discussion draft, so maybe that will debate, maybe say, oh, it should be 10% or it should be 30% or whatever. Um, but one of the things that I love is the con I, there has never been, I believe, a crypto asset that has been alleged to be a security that launched with a fair launch, as in no pre-mine or pre-sale. Right, so Bitcoin has a fair launch. Um, Dogecoin has a fair launch. Mm -hmm. A couple others, not not many, <laughs> but that's one right. of the interesting things here is that we already know there actually is a, a strong path where the SEC has never once alleged that a fair la fairly launched quote unquote. This is a technical term. I'm not passing necessarily judgment on the on the launch styles, but the quote unquote fair launch, like Satoshi did, where no one uh, had preferential early access. That's that we know. This current SEC, it appears, does not believe is a security. Why don't we see more teams doing that? It's a great point, and th this gets to a couple of core issues. First off, I think it's a mistake for Congress to specify in law the standard of decentralization. I think that determination should be delegated to an SRO that can be more flexible and adapt. Because yeah. you're not going to get the attention of Congress when you need to when something. Doesn't work. Like if you have and to the change right approach it, it's going to take forever, and it's stuck there in the Correct. Yeah. And and we need experimentation and discovery. It's not about getting the quote right answer. There is no right answer, and the answer can change and evolve over time, just like list, listing standards change and evolve over time. So um, I like that they're thinking about that conceptually, but I think the overall approach is is incorrect. Here's the other: there isn't an SRO in that draft bill, right? That I, I don't believe there is. No, which is which is interesting. Correct. And part of it is it's chicken and egg. Like the industry needs to get a body that inspires the respect of the American public and Congress. And the third is also the SEC because FINRA is subject to oversight by the SEC. And I think here's another big mistake that many in crypto I see making. This will come back to Doge and all the rest, right? So I see a lot of people on crypto Twitter saying we want to be regulated by the CFTC because they perceive the CFTC today as a more gentle, favorable <laughs> regulator, which is true, but that can change, okay? But here's why that's a mistake. It's a mistake because we want to be able to invest in digital asset securities. I like the fact that Uniswap generates fees. I like the fact that Compound borrows short and can lend at a higher rate of interest and generate a dividend. I like the fact that Filecoin has a, a business that can generate revenues and ultimately pass in-kind dividends to me. Same for the Solana cell phone and all the rest. We want securities. Securities compound book value. They create value over time. Uh, commodities don't do that. Commodities can be a good inflation hedge, but they're not uh, long-term enduring drivers of wealth creation. So I think optimizing for the near-term favorable regulator is the wrong mistake. And Congress won't go down that path. Congress and the regulators, oh, it may not seem like it, but they are principles first. And what crypto does present an opportunity to create a more dynamic, real-time, transparent, alternative capital market that addresses the deficiencies of the current financial system. Yeah, this is what I'm, one of the things I did really like about the market structure draft bill, draft bill. Um, was the sort of there is flexibility built in there. A lot of the bill is about how something could be a commodity, but then maybe become a security or vice versa. And they clearly recognize that. Um, you know, the other problem, just to go back on your on the specifying the actual um, 
characteristics of decentralization in law versus sort of saying like let's delegate this i like that they tried <laughs> that, right like that they, and it's a discussion draft so like hopefully it gets discussed right and we a, a better path is for uh, comes forward there but i also re recognize if they say that 20 percent is uh owned by you know preferential early investors is too high that makes it a security you're going to see a ton of 19.99 percent pre-sales right like, oh right oh, oh yeah all the optimizations will happen exactly yes. in which case that's where the sro could really be effective is the sro can set the a, a more flexible standard that's like dude that's that's gaming like you're you're hearing the letter of the law but that's not the intent i, I and agree and if you want to be part of this organization this the finra of crypto you can't do that bad behavior, right? And and that that's where it could be really powerful. The 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 key topic here is how do we set standards? And standards take time to discover. And we've gone through this with this, remember like the antitrust battles, and there are metrics that the FTC uses to measure industry concentration. And it took decades to establish these. And some industries like technology can move faster, like for example, how Bluetooth and Wi-Fi standards are set by private organizations. Uh, so I'm I'm glad that the conversation is happening. The idea that Congress is discussing things like decentralization, that's progress. Right. That's progress. That's constructive. Uh, we just need a more flexible mechanism uh, that can adapt. Yeah, I think we we are in. Um, here's the other thing, you know, Representative Brad Sherman. Um, we talked about on last week's episode in the House Financial Series, uh, House Financial Services Committee hearing. Um, on June 13th, he had one of his, you know, he's one of crypto's longtime antagonists and he's, he's great at sound bites. I mean, I, some, I've, I've been enjoying actually representative Sherman's commentary on crypto for a long time. He said, um, you know, all these crypto hearings always start with, uh, we're falling behind, right? We're going to be, we're going to be left behind, right? Or we're going to, we're not going to be, uh, at the front of this crypto revolution. And he, and he said, um, you know, uh, South American countries are, are leading in cocaine. We're falling behind them in cocaine production, right? He said, we're falling behind. He said, we're falling behind, um, the Cayman islands in illicit secret financial transactions. And then he was like, maybe we don't always want to be leading, right? Basically saying in his mind that he would let crypto just leave the U S just who cares? Why do we have to try to stay on it? And I, I raise this because the reality is that there is urgency because we do have the most vibrant and deep and liquid and safe capital markets on earth in the United States. But that may not always be true. And if this crypto thing we think is going to be the or a major part of the future of financial markets, it is being progressively built elsewhere, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree. So, and that that's a risk. I agree. Also, it, it should not be the responsibility of Congress, in my view, to set industrial policy and determine which sectors should lead or not lead. Right. That should be a determination based by free markets, entrepreneurs, and venture investors that take risks. Now, the responsibility of our regulators is to ensure that they're the appropriate investor protections and safeguards and that they're clear rules of the road. So he, he he shouldn't have the ability to enforce his opinion on whether a certain sector should thrive or not. Right. I would argue that in the age of AI, we need things like uh, identity, attestation, proof of human, uh, the ability to secure our rights digitally, uh, as opposed to have to rely on a third party that's subject to hacks and breaches and cannot safeguard our data. Uh, and sometimes captures data without our consent, like an Equifax, and then breaches it without much penalty for it. 
So there's, in, in my view, there's a legitimate purpose for uh, the opportunities and visions that entrepreneurs have, and that we should enable that. I think the other part to your point, though, Alex, is that crypto sector is not advancing a positive vision for how crypto can create real world impact that strengthens financial markets, the banking sector, and the lives of ordinary Americans. And, you know, tokenization does that. Tokenization goes in that direction across all three of those segments, right? Let's start with the banking sector. The banking sector has a six to 8% drawdown in system-wide deposits. So they're pulling back because they're forced to. That means less lending. Uh, Second, they're trying to refinance $2 trillion in CRE debt, uh, and there's not enough deposits to go around. That means higher interest rates coming for small businesses because private capital, e.g. Blackstone and others, will have to fill in the gap. Third, there's no liquid market for CRE debt because there's lack of transparency, lack of standards, lack of visibility into understanding the real-time liquidity and the balance sheet risk of the banking sector. That's a great use case that's relevant today. Capital markets, same thing. You know, the, the broader trend you're seeing in capital markets is that private companies as a number and share of overall enterprise value is going up at the expense of public markets. And that deprives ordinary Americans from the ability to participate and invest in the American dream. Why is that happening? It's happening because the licensing costs, the burdens of having public organizations, and also these issues around the crypto sector. I mean, in crypto, in in many ways, represents an alternative, more dynamic uh, capital market. And the last point, just briefly there, is the opportunity to tokenize fiat. We've seen the success there around USDC, but we've also seen the lack of creating a framework that allows USDC to play a global role in advancing leadership of the US dollar, which would lower transaction costs, lower interchange costs for merchants, which have one to 2% net profit margins while they're paying out two to 3% to Amex and Visa. So I'll pause there, but that that's, I would argue that tokenization is the lead thesis to advance upon. I think it's a story that'll land with Congress and the American public and their use cases today we can build off of. Let's hope it does land with them. Um, Ram Alawalia, my friend, uh, CEO and co-founder of Lumita Wealth Management. Thank you so much for coming on Galaxy Brains. Thanks for having me, Alex. Be well. That's it for Galaxy Brains this week. Thank you to our guest, Ram Alawalia, CEO, co-founder of Lumita Wealth Management. What an interesting conversation. So much to do in the U.S. when it comes to crypto policy and getting this industry from point A to point B. But a lot more to see on that. Keep following us. We'll be covering it. And until next week, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. If you enjoy the show, please like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To follow Galaxy Research, sign up for our weekly newsletter at gdr.email, read our content at galaxy.com research, and follow us on Twitter at glxyresearch. See you next week.